Reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, verses 11 through 32, English Standard Version. And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that's coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed his pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Good morning. It's good to see all of you today. Appreciate you coming out. The title of my uh, homily is A Priest in a Donut Shop my personal story of redemption. Now, I know a lot of folks here don't equate donut shops and redemption. I mean, come on. When was the last time you saw somebody walk in a donut shop and said, oh yeah, I'll take four eclairs, some baklava, some chocolate sprinkles, and oh yeah, um, a large cup of redemption to go. But the story I'm about to share with you is not a metaphor. The donut shop was very real. The priest in the donut shop was very real. And the issues that I shared with him were extremely real. In fact, they had such deep impact on me, and I'm not being overdramatic, the difference between that chance meeting 
is the difference between me standing here in front of you today and me being dead, literally and spiritually. So the issue of the prodigal son, as this is Rembrandt's artistic creation of that parable, was well read by Deb, thank you, and I want to thank Pastor Scott for choosing that gospel reading because it aligns very closely with my own experience. Now, some of you know, those of you steeped in theology understand that this parable that Christ shared with his followers back in the day was radical. It was radical because in Christ's time, the behavior of the older son and the younger son actually merited death. The younger son, taking the father's inheritance, really wished the father dead. And that embarrassed the father, humiliated his name, and he deserved death. The older son, by not keeping control of the younger son, also insulted the father and merited death. But our Savior and our Redeemer said, that's not how I roll. We're all about forgiveness and redemption. And so thankfully, this artistic expression of this parable is not just the son being embraced by his father, but is God the father embracing all of humanity, choosing to forgive us when, in reality, he didn't have to. So I'm going to leave this up as I share with you my story, and um, I'll keep it as brief as possible. So my story is not really significantly unusual or complex. It goes something like this. Raised in a very violent home, my parents divorced, my mom was a teacher and had to get a second job to raise three kids by herself. She was a young girl, she was a migrant farm worker and actually worked her way through high school and college and actually became a teacher on her own. She had three kids, we were living on our own and the oldest, this is in the late 60s and early 70s, decided that he wanted to do his own thing. And so he began to associate with people who did their own thing. Small at first, gradual at first, but became more intense as age 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. And as I prepared this talk, I sat down with my wife and I asked her, I said, how do I tell people about that? She said, tell them that you wrecked lives. So. I wrecked lives, and subsequently, I wrecked my own. So you didn't need to be a statistician or a mathematician to figure out the odds that your card was about to come to the top. And in the business that I was engaged in, you had a 50-50 chance. 50-50 that you're going to go to prison for a long period of time, or 50-50 that you're going to wind up in a morgue. I know, because that's what was happening with all the people I worked with. We had a special orientation towards wrecking things. So understanding that the odds of me coming out of this clean were probably slim to none. And so one morning, I'm walking out of a liquor store, and I walk by this donut shop. I look in, and I see a man in clerics writing a newsletter. Now. 
Keep in mind, my faith tradition at that time wasn't Catholic, it was hedonist. My mother's faith tradition was Pentecostal. And they were a lovely group and they worshiped together. But as a collective unit, they had little regard for the Catholic Church. So I'm standing there realizing that I'm about to hit a wall. Compelled, I walk through the front door and I walk right up to this priest and I said, are you a Catholic priest? And he stops writing and he looks up at me and he says, yeah. Now keep in mind, I didn't look like this when I was talking to him. I was very scary looking, intentionally, vocationally. And I said, so that means if I tell you something, you can't rat me out to anybody. He said, you mean confession? Whatever. <laughs> yes, that means if you tell me something, I can't share it with you, with anyone. Now I'm going to stop for a second because I'm going to come to the point. Socially, professionally, ethically, he understood I wasn't Catholic. I didn't go to his parish. I didn't look like a normal church-going person. So he could have said to me, here's my business card. Call the church. Make an appointment. I'll be happy to talk with you. And everyone witnessing this conversation would have said, yeah, that makes sense. But he didn't. He stopped what he was doing, put it away, put on a purple stool, and we walked into a storage room in the back of that donut shop. And I talked to him. I laid it out. About an hour later, he looked at me and he said, you're in a lot of trouble. And I said, yeah, it's not a good time to be popular with unhealthy people. He said, I can help you, but you have to do what I say, how I say it, and I will be able to help you. This slide says that redemption has teeth. It cost Jesus his life, and it cost me everything. I was willing to pay the price, as our Lord was as well. So this priest says to me, I'm going to move you. So he took me from California and placed me in a little parish in Nowhere, Florida. Well, it really wasn't Nowhere, Florida, but you could see Nowhere from the front porch. <laughs> and he told me, basically, he says, you just do whatever the pastor tells you to do. And he said to me, if I find out you're writing or calling, keep in mind there was no texting or email or back in that day. He said, but I find out you're writing or calling, I will personally come and get you and I will deliver you to the people that are looking for you. Which for me would have been a death sentence. So I did what I was supposed to do and I did it to the best of my ability. I failed a lot. I prayed a lot. I converted. I became Catholic. Eventually I, through the grace of God and cooperating with that grace, I got to study in Rome. I graduated with my degree in philosophy from the Pontifical University of St. Thomas Aquinas and see Pilari Italiano perché tutti mi classi in Italiano. And I came back to the United States, became a teacher, met my lovely wife of 28 years. I have two handsome sons I'm very proud, with, proud of. Became a teacher, worked with hundreds of kids as a teacher, as a coach, as an administrator. Got my PhD, wrote three books, worked with a lot of folks, 
have influenced a lot of doctoral students, done a lot of good stuff, volunteered in churches and communities. But it's not telling you the story so you go, Woo, George, you've made some progress in your life. <laughs> I'm saying this to you to say, it was because the priest didn't hand me his business card and say, call me. He stopped what he was doing and he met my needs. God, salvation comes from God, but it comes through us. We usually deliver it. So my message for all of us, chance encounters happen every day. We have a choice. We can be the agents of change or not. We can meet the needs of people or not. I'm thankful to Almighty God, to his son, and to this priest, Father Tom Warren, for his ability to deliver redemption to an unworthy person. Thank you.